If you had known me, you should have known my father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He that doeth the works, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, and the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. This morning I'm going to preach on the subject of Christ is sufficient. In Exodus 33, Moses was speaking with God in the mount, and Moses asked God to show him his glory. And God hid Moses in the cleft of the rock and, and went past him. And eventually when Moses came down from the mount, his, his face so did shine that he had to cover up when he came back down. He, his face was literally shining that the children of Israel couldn't bear to look upon his face. And I wonder if that or something similar to that or along those lines, maybe what Philip was asking in verse number eight when he says, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Jesus told him, as we looked at last week, not to let your hearts be troubled, but to believe in Christ. He's going to the Father's house and there are many mansions there and he's going to prepare a place for us. And, and Philip hears this and and regardless of what Philip was thinking along those lines and art, he wanted something more. Something more than what Jesus had already told them. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be closer to God. That's a desirable thing to want fellowship and be close to God. The problem comes when, when we want things God hasn't given us, hasn't promised us, or when we get to the point where what God has given us isn't enough. There's a whole group of uh, Christians who live their life looking for things that God's not going to give us and then treating the things that God has given us as if they're not enough, they're not good enough. Wanting more, more things, more insight, more visions and so forth. But what I want to show this morning from this passage is what Jesus is telling Philip is that he is enough. He is sufficient. Philip says, give us this and that'll be enough. Jesus answered and said, no, I am enough. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me unto the Father. So the first thing that we want to see is Philip's quest, quest here to, to see the Father. Jesus show us the Father. Well, Jesus told him that the only way to salvation is through him. No one can come to the Father except through me. He's already said that publicly that he was the door to the sheep no man can come except through him he is the the only way to heaven he is the only way to the father through jesus 
He is the only way of salvation, the only gospel truth, the only everlasting life. Verse 7, he says, If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. From henceforth you know him and have seen the Father. So the first seven verses, Jesus is talking about these blessings that he's going to give to the troubled disciples. He said, don't be troubled. Think about what I'm about to do as I die, as I lay down my life and I die for you. I'm going to rise from the, the dead. I'm going, to, I'm going to rise from the dead. The grave will not hold me. And I'm going to ascend up into the, to heaven to the, the right hand of the Father. And all these blessings I am going to uh, win for you and procure for you that you might have everlasting life and, and a home with the Father. Let not your heart be troubled. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. And so when he says that, Philip latches on to that last part, and ye have seen him. Jesus says, if you know me, you know the Father, and from henceforth. Meaning as a consequence, is about, about, as a consequence of what is about to happen, God's people will know more and more of the Father. Jesus opens this up and explains how the Father will bless the disciples with the Holy Spirit. They will have more insight as they're taught by the Spirit, as Jesus will let them know in the, in the, in the rest of this chapter and the, the one to come. They will see the Son glorified in the death, burial, resurrection, and then the ascension of the Lord Jesus. Philip had seen the Father, because that is past tense, as Jesus says, and from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Well, how has he seen him? That, that is what Philip's thinking about. So Thomas, Jesus says, I am the way. Or Thomas says, I go to prepare a place for you. Thomas says, well, I don't know how to go. And he says, yes, you do. I am the way. Thomas says, if you leave us, how will we know how to, to follow you? We don't know where you're going or how to get there. Jesus says, no, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. Believe in me. Trust me. And then he says, you've seen the Father. And, and Philip says, well, show us the Father. And, all, and in a similar fashion, Jesus says, Philip, you have. Just like he told Thomas, you know the way because I'm the way. He doesn't say, you know the Father because I am the Father. He says, if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. And so it's in a similar way. The answer to the question is to trust in Jesus. So Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. So he latches on this idea of seeing the Father, and Jesus, maybe he's maybe Philip's thinking about Moses, but he might have been thinking about a superior vision, maybe Isaiah or one of the prophets. And Philip said, seeing the Father would be enough. Show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. That's what we need. Well, Jesus' answer is, look to me. You're asking for something. What you need to do is just look to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't go to the Father but by me. If you have known me, Jesus said, you should have known my Father also. Then, in verse number 9, when Philip says this, Jesus says, Have I been so long with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Jesus is enough. 
Jesus is sufficient. Philip says, give us something else and that will be enough. Jesus says, I am enough. Paul says, take this thorn from the flesh. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient. I am enough, Paul. Philip says, show us this. Jesus says, I am enough. I am sufficient. It's not that you don't need the Father. That's not what he's saying. Jesus isn't trying to separate himself from the Father. We're saying that he is the same as the Father. When Jesus is saying that, what I'm saying is that he is enough, it's not that you don't need the Father or you don't even have the Father. Rather, it's through Jesus that you have the Father. You can't have the Father without Jesus. You can't see the Father without Jesus. What Christ is opening up to us is what we have in our union with him. That in Christ, we have all these blessings. We have the, the, the fullness of God. Let's look at just a couple verses in 1 Corinthians 1.30. It says, but of him ye are in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So we are in Christ, who is the righteousness of God. And he is our sanctification. He is our redemption. When we look to Christ, we have all. We have all. And Philip is saying, well, we'll give us something else. And Jesus is saying, have I been with you such a long time and you don't know me? You don't know who I am and what I do and what I provide for you? Chapter 3 and verse 21 of 1 Corinthians says, Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death, things present or things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. We don't glory in men. We don't lift men up and glory in them because all things are ours. How are all things ours? Because we are in Christ. Christ is in the Father. Christ has all things. So all things are ours because we are in Christ. Now Philip was looking at Jesus and says, show us the glory of God. That's the same thing as Thomas was looking at Jesus and saying, show me the way. Thomas, I am the way. Philip, I am the glory of God. To, to look at me is to see the, the express image of the glory of God. Jesus isn't separating himself from the Father or saying that the Son is the Father. Because Jesus can't be the father because he says he's going to the father's house to prepare a place for us. He says that he's doing the works of the father. He speaks the words of the father. In chapter 17, he prays to the father. So how is the son praying to the father if it's the same person? But to know Jesus is to know the father. And that, that's what Jesus is telling us here. It is sufficient for Philip to look to Jesus to know Jesus because to know God we can only know him through the Son. So this isn't to deny the Father or to say that we don't have the Father or to deny the work of the Spirit or say we don't have the Spirit because Jesus is going to get into the, the role of the Holy Spirit uh, even later in this chapter. 
is not to deny this work. But what we're seeing here is that Christ is telling us that we have all the blessings that God gives us through Christ. You can't see God. You can't come to God. You don't have the blessings of redemption um, from the Father apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. To seek the Father apart from Christ is impossible. Those, um, the, the Jewish people today who read the Old Testament and follow the laws of the Old Testament and do the, the ceremony of the Passover and say, I believe uh, that they might even say they, they, they believe the prophecies concerning the Messiah, but I just don't believe Jesus is it. Well, they can't come to the Father because they're not coming through Christ. They're trying to have the Father apart from Christ, and you can't do that. They're trying to see God apart from Christ, and you can't do that. It's impossible to seek the Father apart from Christ. And that is the stress that, that he's putting here with Philip. You say, show me the Father, but, but you don't know me, Philip, if that's the case. In fact, to seek the Spirit apart from Christ is folly. And other people try to do that. They, they will come to a, a place of worship and seek the Spirit. And for hours, they'll, they'll try to get in the Spirit and sing songs and, and play music and try to get in the Spirit apart from Christ. And that's folly because the Spirit points us to Christ. Philip was looking everywhere. Jesus says, look to me. If Christ is not sufficient, then you don't know him is what, what he's saying. Philip knows Christ. Jesus has already said that, but he's making this point. Philip, you don't know what you're asking. You're, you're talking like you don't even know me. Philip's well-meaning desire is very common. to He wants to see something. But his words are showing that uh, maybe, it, or maybe it just an hour or in his heart, he didn't think it was enough. People might not ask for visions of the Father, but they're always looking for something, a higher life, a deeper experiences. Uh, dreams and visions, emotions and mountaintop experiences, going from one thing to another and another, trying to get that emotional uh, connection that they once ha- had. So people will, will go from special meeting to special meeting to Bible conference to Bible conference and trying to, to get up on the mountaintop, so to speak. But how, but how do we get closer to God? What was Jesus' answer here? To know him, to know Christ, that is the way to the Father. That is the way to see the glory of God, is to know Christ. The way to the Father is Christ. If we want to be closer to God, then we, we come to the Father through Christ. To know Christ is to know the Father. Jesus says, have you been with me so long and you don't know me? So what <coughs> Philip's wants to see the, Philip wants to see the Father, Jesus says, you need to know me. You need to look to me. Philippians chapter 3, and verse number 7. To know Christ, that's what we want to do. We want to know Christ. That is sufficient for us, to know him. 
We know Christ, we, we receive all these benefits. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 7. Paul says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted for loss. And in the context of this, he's talking about all the stuff they had as a Jew. A Pharisee, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, zeal, righteousness according to law. All these things that he had in his works. He counts them for not, they're nothing. Yea, Dallas, I count all things but loss, except for what? The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. It's all nothing except for that. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul walked away from all of his works righteousness, all of his religion, all of his ceremonies, and all of his his, uh, law keeping. Because it was worthless compared to what God has given him in Christ. Paul counted everything lost because of the value of Christ. The knowledge of Christ is far above everything else. Coming to Christ by faith, we we are united to Him and in Him. And we have His righteousness through the faith of Christ. Keeping the law was pointless to Paul because it couldn't give him life. Seeing visions and signs are pointless if you don't have Christ because that can't save your soul. If, if Michael came down and manifested himself before us right now and you saw Michael in all of his, in all of his, uh, his glory and, and would scare us to death probably, you know what that does for us and does for our soul? Well, if you don't know Christ, it doesn't do anything for you except add judgment to you. That doesn't save us. What is it that, 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 it, that we need? We need Christ. And, and so Paul says, I count everything that I had before as lost because it doesn't do anything for me except the, all I want is the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus. I want to know more of Christ because it is through Christ, through faith in Christ, which I have his righteousness. The righteousness of God that, that I have his perfect righteousness and, and that I may know him. This knowledge is far above everything else. Coming to Christ by faith, we are united to Christ and we have his righteousness through faith. And so Paul's not saying I just have facts about Jesus stored in my brain, but to know him in fellowship, to know him in experientially, to know him in his in the union with him, this true vital union that we have with Christ. John Gill said Paul wanted to know more of Christ, the mystery and the glories of his person, the unsearchable riches of his grace, his great salvation, the benefits of 
salvation, his love, which passes a perfect knowledge, and to have a renewed and enlarged experience of communion with him. So to know Christ in the way that Paul is talking about is to know what the Father has done for us through Christ and what the Spirit does in us uh, in Christ and what we have by abiding in him and him in us, the blessings of our, our salvation, the gifts of the Spirit. To know Christ is to know the redemption given to us and, and applied to us. Paul prayed uh, that the Ephesian church, Ephesians 3, 19 that they would know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul prayed that the church in Ephesus might know the love of Christ, that it's so expansive, so, so deep, so glorious, that it passes our ability to fully grasp what God has given to us. To know Him, to know the blessed Lord Jesus, to know the eternal Son has sacrificed Himself for us, given himself um, in our place, given us life and life eternal, to know him. And we grow in grace and knowledge of him by knowing Christ and filled with the fullness of God. In Christ, we have the riches of his blessing. We're filled with the blessings that we have in this life. And by the knowledge of Christ, we grow spiritually. Spiritual growth doesn't come apart from Jesus Christ. Don't think that we can grow in sanctification apart from the work of God. Don't think that you can grow closer to God by getting a checklist of things that you need to do. I need to um, do this today and and have a a check mark or a checklist of 15 things that you have to do. And if you do those things, then you'll grow. Well, we don't grow by what we do. We, We grow in our knowledge of Jesus. And so there are ways that we can grow in our knowledge of Jesus, but if we're looking to ourselves and our works even to grow, we're looking in the wrong place. What is sufficient for us? Christ is. And so Paul says, I want to know Christ. And he prays for the church at Ephesus. I want you to know Christ. You read the first chapter of the book of Colossians. What does he want them to know? He wants them to know Christ. Read the first half of the first chapter of Colossians and you'll see there Christ Jesus repeated over and over and then Talk about the knowledge and faith and knowing Christ. Charles Spurgeon said, The most excellent study for expanding the soul is the science of Christ. Him crucified, the knowledge of the Godhead and the glorious Trinity. Nothing will so enlarge the intellect, nothing will magnify the whole soul of man as a devout and earnest continued investigation of the great subject of deity. Look to me, Philip, he said. Look to Christ this morning. Look to him and to know him. Well, that was the answer. Philip says, show us the Father. Jesus says, look to me. Then in verse number 10, he says, believest thou not that I am in the Father? The next thing we find is Christ is sufficient because he is in the Father and the Father is in him. So here's a theological question for you. John 14, 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Do you believe that? Well, Jesus asked his disciples, do you, don't, do you believe this? Do you believe this theological truth? Do you believe that Christ is in the Father and the Father is in Christ? Do you believe in the Trinity? There is one eternal, infinite being of God shared 
by three persons, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. Within this one being of God, there is three eternally co-equal, co-eternal persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you believe this? No. Why would Jesus say this? Do you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? Why would Jesus say this? Well, if you believe that there in the Trinity, if you believe that there is one God, one infinite being of God and three persons, then you know that when you look to the Son, you're looking to God. When Philip beheld the face of Jesus Christ, he saw God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. Philip says, well, show me the Father. Philip, don't you understand who I am? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? We don't look to another God but to the one and true God. Moses was a mediator. Moses talked to God and came down and talked to the people. Moses' face was shining because he was a mediator between man and God. So he covered his face and the people looked to Moses because Moses talked to God. When they looked at Moses, they weren't looking at God. They were looking at a man who was there to mediate for them. Jesus is the one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus, because he is one with the Father. The Father is in him, and he is in the Father. So when we look to the Son, we're not looking to a man, a mere man who, like Moses, who mediates. We're looking to God the Son. We're not looking to another God or to merely a man, but we're looking to the God-man, the one mediator between God and man. We are coming to God the Son, And so when we come to God the Son, we come also to God the Father. We come to the Father through the Son. So when we behold Jesus, we see the glory of the Father. Next, Christ's Christ is sufficient because of his words. The words I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. The words that Jesus spoke were the words of the Father. Back in chapter 7 of John, verse number 15. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? And Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, no uprightness is in him. Jesus came and spoke the words of the Father. To hear, therefore, the words of Jesus is to hear the the doctrine of the Father. Now, perhaps they thought that Jesus was a man just preaching truth, or that's what Jesus was saying, but that's... He was saying more than that. Jesus is saying, I and my Father are one. I am in the Father. The Father is in me. I speak the words of my Father. I speak the doctrine of my Father. If you hear me, you hear the words of the Father. Because that's what I speak. Do you believe this? Do you believe me? So this is why Jesus is answering Philip this way. 
Philip, do you not understand who I am? I am God the Son. And if you hear me, and if you see me, you are, see, you are hearing the word of God. You're, you're seeing the express image of God in me. So we don't need Christ in something else. We don't need Christ in apart from what he's already given us. We need Christ. And when we have Christ, we have all that he gives us. So we don't need extra revelation apart from the word of Christ here in the Bible. We have the word of God. And this is what Christ has given us. So to seek for something apart from the Bible as word of of God is to say Christ is not enough. Why? Because we have his word. He speaks to us through his son. God speaks to us through his son. He is the, the mediator of the new covenant. And if we look for something outside of the Bible, we're saying like Philip, well, that's not enough. Give us something else and that'll be enough. Christ is the sufficient way. The only way to the Father is through Jesus, and he is the sufficient way. We don't need another way. Christ is the sufficient truth. He speaks the word of the Father. We don't need another truth apart from what he has given us. Christ is sufficient because of his works. The the latter part of verse 11, or else believe me for the very work's sake. The works of Christ strengthen and confirm the faith of disciples. Philip wanted confirmation by seeing the Father. Jesus said, well, my works are sufficient for that, Philip. The miracles that I did are enough. Verse 12, he says, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall be, he do, I do also, and the greater works of these he shall do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever he shall ask in my name, that will I do, and the Father may be glorified in the Son. If he shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus is telling the apostles that they would do the works that they're called to do. As Jesus did the works of the Father in the Father, the apostles would do the works of Christ as they are in Christ. They wouldn't do greater miracles in the sense greater than raising the dead or walking in water, but greater in number and greater in reach. And then Christ comforts them by bringing it back to the start that their hearts shouldn't be troubled. They would do great works in Jesus' name. Jesus is sufficient in the work. When we work in Jesus' name, we're empowered by we're empowered to do the work because of Christ's sacrifice, because of his death, burial, and resurrection. And the priestly work is mediator at the right hand of the Father. When we pray, our prayers are answered when we pray in Jesus' name. What is that telling us? That Jesus is sufficient. We had a, a time of prayer this morning. We didn't have to come and bring our gifts in order that God hear our prayer. We didn't have to come and bring money and, and, and animal sacrifice and, and all these things so God would be sure that we, he would hear our prayer. I didn't say, well, we can't pray until we fast for three or four days, then we can come back and pray. To, to add to the, the sufficiency of our prayers. No prayers in Jesus' name will be answered because of our union with Christ. Christ is sufficient. Christ is enough. You don't have to come to me 
to mediate for you. Now, I pray for you and I will intercede for you. And I, I, that, I'm not saying that, that we aren't to pray for one another. But what I'm saying is you can pray to Christ as well. I will be happy and glad uh, to, to pray with you and to pray for you. But our union with Christ, he, we can go to the throne of grace, each and every one of us, because of our union with him. You know, the, the Bible says if you're sick, call for the elders that they, to pray for you. Tell the church and we'll pray for one another. That's what we're supposed to do. And, and we can go to Jesus and believe that because he is sufficient. He is enough. Philip asks Jesus for something and Jesus slightly rebuked him and corrected him on the matter. So it can't be that everything that you ask, Jesus will give for you. Because Philip asked for something, Jesus said no. It can't mean that because Jesus has already said no just a few seconds before that. Philip show, Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father. Jesus said, no. What is that? That was a prayer. That was a request. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to give you what you asked for. So it can't mean that just because you asked for something, Jesus is going to give you everything that you want. If we pray in his name, if we pray in his will, we can know that, that it is sufficient. Christ is sufficient for him to answer our prayers. What, whatever we ask in his name will be answered because we don't need anything else. It's not Jesus plus something else. We can go to God in prayer. We can pour our hearts out to him and, and give him our requests. And if it's wrong, Jesus isn't going to do something wrong. If you ask for something wrong and sinful, Jesus is not going to give you that. He's going to say no. Philip asked for something wrong. Jesus said, well, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll give you something better, though. I'll give you instruction on what you already have. Philip says, give us this. And Jesus says, well, you've already got it. You just don't understand what you're looking at here. If you ask Jesus for things that aren't good for you, Jesus, the Lord might say, no, I'm not going to give you that because it's not good for you. The stress of the passage here is not that you just get everything that you ask for. The stress of it is, is we have what we need in Christ. That he will hear our prayers and even answer our prayers because of him. After the crucifixion, Jesus ascends to the Father and will not leave us alone. The apostles will do works in Jesus' name and in his power. The work won't cease because Jesus is not bodily with them. They will pray in Jesus' name and in Jesus' power, and the prayers won't fall on deaf ears because Jesus isn't bodily with them. But they will be answered. You can work. Jesus is saying you can continue to do the work and even do greater works. Even whenever I'm gone. You can pray and ask through me, even if I'm not here bodily with you. Let your heart, don't let your hearts be troubled here. I am sufficient. Look to me. So this, it's all bring, coming back for the, the apostles to look to Christ and trust in him. Our prayers won't fall on deaf ears because Jesus hears our prayers. He is life. He is life in the spirit now. He is sufficient. 
Look to Christ. Maybe Philip was thinking about Moses when he asked to see the Father. But if that was the case, he missed the whole point of it. So that was back in Exodus 33 and in verse number 18. Listen, listen to what happened there. Exodus 33:18. We'll start wrapping this up um, and, and draw this to a conclusion as we think about what happened here. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Moses did. And he said, Before I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and show mercy unto whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. And thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass when my glory passes by, that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. So Moses said, let me see your glory. And the Lord made his goodness pass before him. The Lord proclaimed his name. He proclaimed his sovereign grace, as Paul quoted in Romans chapter 9. He said, no one can see my face and live. For there you, hidden in the rock, covered by my hand, you can see the back parts. You can, you can see a glimpse of the glory. And so maybe Philip said, was thinking to himself, I want to see the same thing. I want to see the glory of God. I want to see the Father. But what he wasn't thinking about was what he had already seen and what Moses had seen, actually. When Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord in Genesis 32, he called the place Peniel because he had seen God face to face and lived. Now, how did he see God face to face when he was wrestling with that angel? And how is it that he saw face to face God whenever God told Moses that no man can see him face to face? Well, that angel of the Lord was the pre-incarnate Christ. He was the God the Son. Jacob wrestled with God the Son there in, in Genesis 32, and that's how Jacob saw God face to face. Jacob, by faith, knew that he had seen the Lord, and he had seen the Lord in the angel of the Lord. Moses saw the glory of God, how? In the person of the Son. When Isaiah saw the vision of the Lord in Isaiah 6, when, he, when the angel said, Holy, 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 and he saw the, the Lord upon the throne and the, the train filling the temple, John tells us in John chapter 12, verse 41, these things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of him and spoke of Jesus is what that says. John 12, 37 through 41. Read that and you'll see that the John is saying Isaiah saw Jesus in Isaiah 6. He saw the son of God. This is not something new. This is something that has been taught from the book of Genesis that we behold the glory of God in the person of the Son. Hebrews 1.3 says, Christ is being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. To behold Christ is to behold the express image of the invisible God. Colossians 1.14, Christ is the image of the invisible God. Christ is enough, in other words. When you look to God, you see the express image of his glory. 
So when Philip says, show me the Father, Jesus says, Philip, you're acting like you don't know me because I am God the Son. And to behold me is to see the image of the invisible God. To behold me is to see the brightness of his glory. To look to me is to see the express image of his person. To look to me is to see God face to face, as Jacob said. To look to me is to have life. To look to me is the way, the truth, the life. Christ is enough. Are you looking for vision? Are you looking for experiences outside of the Bible and outside apart from Christ where you're looking in the wrong place? Christ is enough. He's enough to save us. He's enough to, to show us the glory of God. To know him. And to know it should be the desire of our life to have the knowledge of Christ and to know more of him. If you want to be blessed, if you want your prayers answered, if you want to be close to God, Christ is enough. Look to Christ. And be blessed and be saved. And, and, uh, for he's enough. You don't need, any, you don't need anything else.